0: everyone. Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast with me, Rich Pooley. Um, Another fantastic show lined up for you today. Um, we're going to continue on the uh, rookie preview theme. So today we're approaching the running back position. Um, and I am joined by one part of the Fancy Wildcard podcast, also um, does write some content for the guys over at the, uh, the Astronauts. Uh, so Matt, how are you doing, Matt?
1: Yeah, I'm, good. I'm doing good. Thanks, Rich. Uh, I appreciate you having me on.
0: No, it's fantastic to have you on. Very excited. Obviously, uh, everybody knows you from, from your threads you've been <laughs> posting out on Twitter, so uh, so already sure a lot of the guys know your thoughts on a few of these backs, but uh, <laughs> looking forward to hopefully diving into them in, in a bit more detail. Absolutely. So, before we kind of, I guess, dive into talking through each of the backs, wh- where do you kind of see this this kind of class, I guess, lined up as a, you know, compared to obviously last year was pretty incredible in terms of the, yeah. the volume of fancy relevant running backs, but do you think this could rival that class or not? Or um, Personally, no, I don't
1: believe so. Um, obviously, we're going to go through a few of these guys, but... If we're talking in comparison to to last year's class, I'd only really put Najeh Harris up there with with the likes of the top end of that 2020 class, obviously, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, et cetera. I think it's only really him that I put right up along those guys. And then beyond that, I'm I'm talking more around that RB5, six range if you're comparing them to, to last year's class.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I put it out on Twitter earlier in the week, Um asking about how many how many backs do you think from this class are, are actually going to be kind of feature backs and to be honest I'd be shocked if it was more than two um, I just don't think that there's there's a there's a lot of options out there that that are going to come in and command you know 2 300 touches at, at the next level I think it is a you know it's an incredible class in in a few other positions but I think this running back class is actually pretty weak um which yeah. is quite interesting because I also think free agency class is is quite weak at running back. There's a lot of names out there, but I don't think there's actually, from a fantasy perspective, many playing, players that are going to go out and be a, a stud elsewhere as such.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think I agree with you. If you're, if you're talking about just looking at the, the size of these backs, as you say, there's there's only really a couple that stand out as that prototypical size for a, for a workhorse running back. A lot of them are more your smaller backs backs that are going to be used in, in a three down. A third down situation and, and more in the passing game so yeah it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out obviously landing spots play, play a big part in it as well so it's definitely going to be interesting to see where some of these guys land and, and how it plays out for them.
0: Yeah absolutely I mean on, on that I guess how much do you kind of weigh when you're, you're looking your sort of pre-draft rankings post-draft rankings how much do you count landing spot in terms of that sort of overall picture? Uh, I think when it comes to,
1: to the running back position I probably value it a little bit more than than say a wide receiver I think when you're talking more wide receiver I think the, the talent tends to show through a lot more but running backs yeah I definitely value it quite quite a bit but I know there's been times where I've looked back and think why are you, why are you fading a player or why are you trying to grab a player just because of landing spot so yeah it, it plays a part I try not to play too good part I try to to, to have somebody in mind that I know from a, a talent level what I think they are, and then obviously it, it helps if if you're in a spot where you know a guy's gonna gonna see a, a good amount of volume, then yeah, you, I think you've got to move. And it, it happened last year, obviously with with Clyde edwards alaire and I think some people feel a bit burnt by that. Obviously, they played to the to the situation landing with the Chiefs and and he's obviously not performed up to the the out-of-control height, really, I think, for, for Clyde edwards Alaire. So, yeah, it's, it's something to bear in mind, I think.
0: Yeah, I think, personally, I try, I, I, I try not to take it into yeah. account. I think I try to, to kind of rule it out. I think last year, for me, with the Clyde Edwards-Solaire, I think, for me, it was more the draft capital yeah. than the landing spot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if one of these backs... You know, we'll talk about it a bit more. But if someone like Kenny Gamewell suddenly went at the back end of the first round, yeah, to me that is a significant kind of investment from the team. That extra fifth year option, that kind of thing, that is what would skyrocket somebody in the um, up my board rather than perhaps the specifics of of landing spot as such. But should, what we're going to do is we're going to work through, um, I guess, kind of my how I've got my ranks and my first couple of tiers um And we'll, we'll talk through each back as we go So the first back we're going to talk about is the guy that you've, you've kind of already hinted as the the one guy that uh, that you you feel is a potential stud out of this class, and that's Najee Harris. So so talk to me. What what, what do you think about Najee Harris? What what type of back is he? Yeah, for me,
1: he's, he's definitely my RB one, and, and he's on a tier on his own, as I, I alluded to a bit earlier. Um, yeah, I think he's just got it all, is it? As a former five-star recruit coming out of high school, It was the number one ranked RB in that 2017 recruitment class. And that included names like Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, Cam Akers, and also some fellow 2021 incoming running backs like um, Travis Etienne and, and Tuba Hubbard and... Trace Thurman as well, I believe. So he's obviously been highly regarded right from the get-go. And, and I think it's just the fact he's, he's a big body back. I think he's going to get a lot of comparison to somebody like Derek Henry because of his size is 6'2", 230 pounds. So I think he's going to draw some comparisons to that. But I believe Harris is a lot more, he's more elusive, he's quicker, he's, he's a lot more lighter on his feet as well than somebody like Derek Henry, who's more of a, a bruiser, somebody you want around the goal line. Whereas I think Harris got a little bit more to his game um, the passing work as well has improved in his passing work over the the, the years in college with Alabama. Um, last year he had 43 receptions, 425 yards, 4 touchdowns. So that's something you always look to see and you're, you're always happy to see when you're evaluating these prospects. So I just think all the signs are, are pointing to a, a really solid workhorse back in in Harris. Um, and I, I believe he is going to be a, a true three down running back. It um, could have declared actually for the 2020 class, but I think he's, he's made a great decision by staying in college. He's, he's avoided that crowded running back room out of the 2020 class that we, we spoke about a little earlier. So looks to be a great move for him. And yeah, I, I just think he's, I think he could definitely go in the first round of the NFL draft.
0: Yeah, I think it's, you know, he's gone from last year, he'd have been potentially the third or fourth back off the board. And, and this year he's, he's very much in interior of his own. Um, I guess I've got a couple of concerns with him in that, as much as yes, he is a big back, I think at times he he won with size over agility in terms of at the tackle point. And I think that he's kind of getting into the minutiae here, but I don't think he's great at setting up the tackle. By the, what I mean is that I think he runs straight into tackle rather than try and set it up. And at times when he does try to, use his agility to to avoid the tackle he basically takes to the air and I think you know we've all seen these amazing um, videos of him leaping over people but I think actually he probably tries to do that a bit too much Um, and I think that if he could use that agility more at the next level I think it could really help him you know kick on Um, but to to echo everything you said I, I think he's he's the one person that I'd probably hang my hat on and say yeah I think he's going to be relevant I think he's going to be a you know a, an above average back at the next level. I don't think he's going to be probably a, an RB one in terms of my dynasty tiers, but also as a performer in the next couple of years. But I think he's got that within his kind of realm of possible outcomes. But I think yeah. he's probably going to settle into that solid RB two. Um, I'd probably throw him in somewhere like a. It's going to upset a few people. Someone like a Josh Jacobs, where it's yeah. just a you know a, a bit of a a compiler rather than anything too exciting. Yeah, I think personally, I'd I probably have him a touch over, Josh Jacobs, just just because
1: <laughs> of we mentioned that, that pass catching is, is is a proven pass catcher. And as I say, he's improved over the years at that part of his game. Um, another concern I, I know a lot of people have got as well as his age is obviously, he's going to be 23 in his rookie season. So for a running back, we, we start panicking when we get to 26. So we, we're talking three years, but um, now I've, I've, got, I've got no concerns, if I'm honest. I think, I think he is completely fine as a running back and I'm excited to to see what
0: he can do it in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, moving on to my RB2, I, I feel like um, from everything I've seen over the past couple of weeks, I'm, I'm probably in the minority of having him still at my RB2, but it's going to be Travis Essien. Yeah. Um, where, where's he in, in your kind of rankings?
1: Yeah, he's right there as well, Rich. I've got him as my RB2. He is in that second tier now. Obviously, I've just mentioned that, that Harris is on his own in that first tier, but yeah, he's right there in the second tier and as my RB too. Um, highly efficient college career is—he's he's obviously got a different playing style than, than what Harris has, but is such an explosive player. He's got that incredible burst. He's, his straight line speed is unreal, and also his contact balance as well is really tough to bring down. So if you get him in that open space, he's, he's gone and is is basically impossible to bring down you you're going to struggle to catch him especially if it gets to a linebacker I think they're gonna have a real tough time keeping up with somebody like him so yeah again another really interesting prospect I think he has the ability to to be a three down running back so again as we just mentioned with the landing spots that's going to play a big part of it but he can catch the ball uh, 48 receptions 588 yards and and two touchdowns last year so He's definitely a capable pass catcher. I'm not so sure if, if I'd say it's one of his best traits. There's obviously been, um, you've seen the headlines going around about that he's, He gets scared when he sees the ball coming towards, towards him. <laughs> it frightens him. So obviously that's not something you want to hear from a, from a running back, but it's proven he can do it. Um, and when you look at, at the stats, it's something that is fine doing. So yeah, definitely a guy, I think, that, that can have a, a three down role.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, the, the the knocks I've got on him, Aren't necessarily kind of fancy relevant knocks in terms of I think his his pass pro is quite frankly awful. Yeah, um, I think that's somewhat overrated when you get to the next level because I think if you've got a forward-thinking offensive coordinator, he's going to get him out in space on on yeah. most passing routes rather than sitting sticking him in pass pro. Um, exactly. I, I I am a little bit intrigued. His, his market share touchdown performance was was never great. Now I appreciate that Clemson offense. You know, he was pretty high flying at times. You, mm-hmm. you had Trevor Lawrence, who, who was pretty use, useful in, in the red zone. But his best market share touchdown percentage was only 53%, mm-hmm. which, you know, you compare it to someone like Najee Harris, who had a 72% touchdown season. Do you think that that could cap his fantasy relevancy if, if he's not going to be used as that kind of goal line, high kind of red zone back?
1: Uh, potentially, yeah, I can I can understand why. But I just said I think it it's going to come down to the the system he lands in. I mean, if he if he lands in somewhere like I know San Francisco, that's obviously a big one that that everyone's praying that somebody like Etienne lands in. I think yeah, when it comes to somewhere like that, I think you can you can use his his best traits, so his speed and and get him doing stretch plays, get him to the outside, get him in space, and and, and if he can do something like that, then I, I think it's completely fine. He's not a guy that you want. Um, at the one-yard line, trying to trying to smash through a, a crowded crowd bunch of players. So, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna depend a lot on landing spot and hopefully in a in a system that uses him correctly.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it, that's probably the, the reason I've got him a, a notch below Najee Harris is yeah. that I think Najee Harris is going to go in and be, you know, that that true, essentially backfield to himself. Whereas I think Etienne's always going to need somewhat of a compliment. I don't think yes. he's ever going to be able to say right. He can do absolutely everything for us. I think there's a couple of bits that, you know, that that sort of red zone work, that that pass play. I think he's going to need a a solid one B um, to him as such.
1: Yeah, this is it probably going to be one of those players where you're going to get frustrated with with a vulture coming in and and stealing those touchdowns <laughs> in fantasy.
0: <laughs> yeah, you can mark it now. Wherever he gets drafted, Jordan Howard's going to go and sign his agent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, talk, so talking of Jordan Howard on our, our next back, we're going to go on to another another big back. Um, mm. So, Javante Williams. So, what do you think of him?
1: Yep, yeah, my RB three, and, and again in that second tier. Um, it wasn't really on many people's radar last off-season, but obviously he's bruised his, his draft stock no end in 2020. Um, he had a great junior season in one of probably the nation's most productive backfield in North Carolina, um, alongside another prospect I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about a little more later <laughs> on.
0: nice tease me there.
1: <laughs> but yeah, he's, as you say, he's just that prototypical NFL running back size. He's 5'10", 220 pounds, strong physical runner, but he's also elusive and, and he forces plenty of broken tackles. Um, he averaged 7.3 yards per carry and, and 19 rushing touchdowns in 2020. So just a, a brilliant uh, 2020 for him. As I say, it's, it's boosted his draft stock no end. Um, he was second in the NCAA in yards after contact with 4.59 yards. So it just goes to show how tough he is to bring down. And then again, he's capable at pass catching, 25 uh, receptions. 305 yards and, and two touchdowns. So, yeah, again, another running back that I think can can do it all and has definitely got that potential to be a, a three-down running back. And, and a, another positive for him, he's only 21 years old as well um, coming into that rookie season. So, we know we're going to get plenty of years out of him. So, yeah, really exciting prospect.
0: Yeah, I think... For me, I guess the most exciting thing alongside that size, you know, you said he's very much a big guy, he's prototypical in terms of that size. But his short area quickness with that size is incredible. Um, we talked about Najee Harris not perhaps setting up the, the kind of tackle point effectively. I think Javante Williams does that incredibly well. He is yeah. so good in the hole. Um I do think, though, that perhaps that sort of outside zone, you know, we, it feels like we say this for literally every player. He'd be a great fit in the Shanahan offence. Yeah. But I think if you can get him in that one cut offence where he's perhaps not having to think and he can use that short area quickness where he sees the hole and goes. Um, I think that's where he's going to perhaps be at his best.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think I agree. Um I think one knock i've got against him he probably doesn't have that that elite top end speed obviously somebody like Etienne that we just spoke about earlier he's he's got that in in bags but i don't think one's quite got that i've seen plenty of, of tape where you, you see him starting to get caught towards the end of his run so that would be a little concern but as i say it's such a tough runner and he's got it's probably got one of the best deforms arms out of this whole classroom what i've seen on the tape so even if someone is trying to bring him down, it is going to do plenty of Derek Henrys, I think, and and shove him off him.
0: <laughs> and I think with with the receiving game, I know yes, he had the the you know the, as you said the twenty five receptions, and and he's been utilised in an offence that obviously most of the receiving work went to his counterpart in most of those op- opportunities. But are you concerned about that at the next level? Do you think he'll again be sort of limited to that one A one B type backfield rather than a a true Kind of all-round offensive weapon, as such.
1: Uh, I think it, it's tough with a guy like Williams because, obviously, as you mentioned, he was playing alongside somebody else in in North Carolina. So that did, did eat into it is his pass catching work, but it was pretty much a 50-50 split in in those receptions. So if we if we take out the the other running back, then we could be talking uh, maybe up to fifty receptions. I mean, I doubt he gets them all, but. I think just because he was sharing that backfield that did kind of eat into to to his game log and, and how many receptions he actually had. So I think from from what I've seen uh, he's definitely capable and I'd like to think that in the right spot he'd, he'd be allowed to show what he can do in the in the passing game.
0: Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um so my the next guy is I can I can say now he's my favorite back in this class. <laughs> I don't necessarily think he's going to be the best, but I just I can just watch his film all day, yeah. Um and that's Kenneth gamewell So where where are you on Kenneth gamewell
1: Yeah, he's my RB five. I actually have one more player above him. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people can guess if they, if they know me who it is <laughs> above him. But yeah, he's my RB five. But he's still in he's still in that second tier. Um, obviously he opted out of the the 2020 season, but he had a fantastic uh, 2019 season as a redshirt fresh, freshman, um just under. Uh, 1,500 rushing yards and over 600 receiving yards. So again, an, another back that can do it all. And and that was in Memphis, and and it was actually keeping out Antonio Gibson out of that backfield. Obviously, we know how great Antonio Gibson's been in the NFL. It was Gamewell that was stopping him getting any any snaps in the in the RB position in Memphis. So I think that just goes to to show how good an actual running back Gamewell is. But as you mentioned, is it is a fantastic pass catching running back, he's got great route running and extremely elusive, great burst. He's, As I say, his, his film's an absolute joy to watch and, and I've had a lot of fun watching his film. He just just makes plays that you you just don't expect from a, from a running back. He makes some brilliant catches and, and yeah, he's, he's definitely one of the best pass catchers I think out of, out of this running back class for sure.
0: I think for, for me, the, I think the reason I love him is that he's got that versatility that... Yeah. He, I don't think many backs in this in this class have. In that, I can very much see Kenneth Gamewell getting a hundred snaps as a receiver next year, yeah. and I think he's that kind of guy where you can pretty much put him wherever you want on the field, and, and mm-hmm. he'll he'll be effective. I think draft capital is going to be absolutely key. Obviously, he sat out the the 2020 season. He had, by the sounds, a bit a pretty horrific year. He lost several family members yeah. for COVID and that kind of thing. And I think if the NFL still believe in the talent and are willing to put you know day day two draft capital on him I could very much see him bumping up at least a couple of spots in my rankings I think if he gets round two draft capital the same as Etienne and Williams I could possibly see him jumping ahead of those depending on where he goes because I just think that his upside is greater because of that flexibility and potential to be used essentially as that true kind of backfield to himself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely agree with that. I think if, if he lands in, a, as we say, in a, in a good system for him, somebody that's that's going to maybe put him in the slot few game, get, get just get him in, in space and and just let him use that elusiveness, that, that explosiveness. And and yeah, I think it, it can be a, a great running back and from fantasy he's, he's one of those backs that, that you just dream of having somebody that, that can be a,
0: a solid running back but then contributing through the air as well. Yeah, absolutely. If you on that have you kind of taken into account the fact he's he's not played for a year into your kind of considerations and where you've got him yeah I think it has a, it's made me
1: drop him down a little bit I think obviously he's had it a year away from from playing football we we'd like to think that obviously he's been he's been keeping fit and and training and, and what have you but yeah it does become a bit of a concern obviously stepping away from the field for a year it, it is a worry. But as you say, I think if, if he does get that solid draft capital, I believe that he, he can be at a round two pick, maybe at a late round two. And and if he can land somewhere like the Cardinals, Tampa Bay, somewhere like that, where, where they need a pass catching running back and and, and a, a system where they can get him out into space. Um, yeah, I, I'm really excited for Gamewell, if I'm honest. And like you, I think I, I'd move him up a couple of spots.
0: Fantastic. I'm not sure Kev's going to be happy if you're putting enough <laughs> running back in Tampa.
1: Oh, I know is is, is Ronald Jones. Um, yeah, his love for Ronald Jones. It, it's going to take another knock if that happens.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he might finally accept that he's not a, a true stud. <laughs> well,
1: I won't be so sure on that one. <laughs> I don't think we'll ever end a Ronald Jones, even when he retires.
0: <laughs> uh, very much so. Um, so then, my my RB five. Um, so again. I'll be honest, this is this is the guy that I found it hardest to, to grade both from a kind of a stats perspective, but also from a film perspective. So that's Jamal Jefferson. So I guess where, where does he sit for you? What What do you make of him?
1: Yeah, he's my RB six, and and he's now in the the tier three for me. He's, he's a little bit below the the other guys we've just spoke about. Um, it was a, a three star prospect when when he was recruited, but he had that he had an amazing freshman uh, season, nearly uh, fourteen hundred rushing yards. But he struggled in two thousand nineteen. I believe he had a few injuries, so so that didn't help him. But but then he bounced back last year in his junior season. Um averaging 143 yards per game so just goes to show what kind of player he is is explosive he's got great acceleration and he makes big plays um he's a very shifty runner as well he's more of a slipper running back he's got quick feet rather than a guy that's going to use his power to beat you he's more of a uses jump cuts change of direction to, to to beat the opposing defenders so Somebody that's definitely really interesting. I just have those little concerns about his style of play, and and as I say, he's just not quite in that that tier above for me.
0: Yeah, I think if if you were just going to sit and look through highlights of any of these backs, I could easily see you putting Jamal Jefferson as your you know your RB one overall because yeah. his his highlights are better than anybody else's highlights. Yeah. They are absolutely truly incredible. Um, but it's that level of consistency that just yeah. that's just not there. Um, I don't know whether he can. He again, I, guess, I feel like I'm saying this for every back, but I don't know if he's going to be a three-three true three-down back at the next level. Um, yes, he's had some receiving game usage, but it's he's never been a big part of his game. Um, you know, he, he's had his best season was his freshman year, and he only had a five point eight percent market share of, of the receiving work. And I just worry that you know he, he's going to be a 1B complimentary back that's never, you know, he's going to be one of these fantasy guys that you always have on your bench and think, oh, he he could be fantastic. He could be incredible, but he's never going to truly get that, that kind of usage and that workload to be a a stud essentially.
1: Yeah, I agree. In my notes, I've just got down, he's got a lot of good traits without really being elite at any. I don't think, as you say, he shows them big splash plays that that are great on film, but then the other 90% of the time it's, it's, it's nothing really exciting, so yeah, that that is my concern. And as you say, it's just whether it could actually carry that full workhorse role. I'm I'm not so sure myself.
0: Yeah, and I think it's interesting as well that for a career, he's had he's got the lowest yards per touch of any of these running backs in the top seven. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you look at probably you could argue he's playing in the the kind of lower levels of. I guess, yes, he's a power five conference, but it's that, you know, it's not the SEC, yeah. is it? Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I just worry that that's gonna, not going to transition as well to the next level. Yeah, um, I think
1: it's going to be more of a like a Twitter darling. I think a lot of people on Twitter are going to be excited about him. I and mean, I think it could potentially be one of those backs that, that, as you say, just doesn't really turn into to what you hope he could have been
0: i could I could absolutely see him being Tony Pollard next level, and that's not yeah. comparing them as specifically as players' because think mm-hmm. Tony Pollard's a much better receiver, yeah, but I think that he's the guy that can show a couple of times in the preseason that he's incredible he'll come in for you know a third and and fifteen and and pick up twelve yards and look fantastic doing it, but actually doesn't doesn't get the first down, and I think that you can see, as you said, that Twitter darling nature where people are like, oh, but if he got the workload, he'd be yeah. fantastic. But I don't know if an NFL team is ever going to give him that that full workload and such.
1: Yeah, that's it. If he has a, a low draft capital, it, I could see him going behind a, a star running back. And as you say, somebody like Pollard, just a, a great insurance policy rather than actually seeing too much playing time. And as you say, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really frustrating.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think that probably shows... Let's be honest, the, the, the drop off in terms of this class as overall in that we're talking about my RB five, your R B six, and we're already saying we don't think he's gonna be uh, a yeah. you know a fancy relevant yeah. player at the next level. It shows that this class is yeah, not not particularly deep. No. no. Well, I think I've you know I've I've kept you from talking about him long <laughs> enough. So um, I feel like I've just got to, it's it's like one of those little toys that you wind him up and just let him go. So so I'm just gonna say Michael Carter and, and over to you, Matt.
1: Yeah. He's my RB4, so I'm not getting too carried away, but he is he's in that tier two for me and, and he's pretty much neck and neck, I think, with Javante Williams and Travis Etienne for me. So, yeah, just a, a really exciting running back. He's probably, for me, the, the most exciting, I know, as as you alluded to, I, I bag on about him all the time on Twitter and he's definitely become my my crush out of this uh, draft class. Um, so this, this, this running back class. Um, as we mentioned earlier, as part of that awesome North Carolina backfield, um, and Carter had 1,500 yards from scrimmage and he averaged um, eight yards per carry. So fantastic efficiency when, when he's got the ball. And I think the thing that stands out for me is his vision. He's got great patience behind the line and, and it is also a very elusive run as well. So... Again like we spoke about a couple of these running backs he's just one of those guys that if you get him in space he's gonna make players miss time and time again with with just his elusiveness his jump cuts and and I've had a great time watching his film I keep posting videos of of some of his runs on Twitter as I say because i'm I'm obsessed with him basically and <laughs> i I think it's he's just got He's right up there. We've mentioned some guys that have got great tape. For me, Carter's right up there. And again, another pass catcher. Um, as we mentioned earlier with Williams, uh, Carter had 25 receptions as well. he turned those into 267 yards and, and two touchdowns, which is just under 11 yards per reception. And also he played in the senior bowl and he had an arguably the, the best game of, of all the players on the field. I think uh, he had eight carries, uh, which he turned into 60 yards and a touchdown. So it, it's just he's just wowed me if I'm on his features is, is somebody that I'm in love with. And we've mentioned it, but if he gets that draft capital and a, and a, and a good landing spot, then oh, I, you won't be able to hold me back. I'm afraid am I? <laughs> he's, he's going to fly up my, uh, my rankings and he's going to be right behind Harris. I think for me.
0: Yeah. I, I, I don't want this to come across as I'm, I don't believe in Carter. <laughs> I just, I like him, but I just think his, his ceiling's limited. I think that for me, he gets tackled by the first guy too often mm. and I think that if if a defence gets any sort of penetration in the run game he sort of freezes and mm-hmm. not not in a good way you know like you talk about Levy and Bell where he's patient and, and he sort of manipulates blockers and defenders to create holes I think Michael Carter if there's penetration he just sort of freezes and mm. he, he, he doesn't seem to know whether he should be trying to run people over or trying to make people miss and I think that if I don't know if that's something that he can correct at the next level, and I think that if if he can, then yes, I think he could potentially be. You know, I, I, I compared him to Ray Rice. I think he's that sort of shorter but solid build, useful in the in the receiving game. Could could easily come in and be a you know a three down back, yeah. but I just don't know if there's going to be too much too many negative plays for him to be getting the workload that he needs to, to be kind of fancy relevant, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I think his size is something that's going to get spoken about a lot. Obviously, he's a, a shorter running back, he's only five foot eight um, and just under 200 pounds. So, that is something that people are going to hold against him. And as I should say, if, if there's not a hole, he's going to struggle to, to run people over, and, and he is going to struggle in that part of his game. But as, as we keep mentioning with these running backs, if you just land him in that right system, honestly I think it's wheels up for somebody like Carter. I know you you just made a comp there. I actually put one on Twitter. And I just think it's gonna be what everybody thought Clyde Edwards was gonna be, I think he's gonna be that and even better for me personally. I I did catch some heat for that on, on <laughs> Twitter. And it, it wasn't anything against Clyde Edwards Lear either. I, I do think he had a, a really solid um, rookie season. But I just think Carter is gonna get a lot of comparisons, I think somebody like Clyde Edwards because of the size of, of both the running backs. But yeah, I'm just I'm just super excited for Carter if I'm honest.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I can tell. I think,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe. It's not like I don't talk about him.
0: <laughs> I think maybe I need to reassess my Jamal Jefferson Carter because I'm sitting here talking about it and thinking maybe, maybe I need to bump Carter up. But um yeah. but yeah, I, as I said, I, I'm just concerned that he can only really, you know, he requires a gap to get going. I think... I guess I'd compare it a little bit to a Derek Henry, which sounds ridiculous as a comparison because you couldn't get two more kind of polar opposite type players. But I think of if you think of Derek Henry of if if there's penetration, if he doesn't get going, he sort of doesn't, doesn't get anywhere. You almost have to get him in the first two yards. Mm-hmm. And I think Carter's a little bit like that in that if he can get three, four yards of kind of po- positive play, and he's away and and you know he, he's fantastic yeah. but i just think that he needs that right system that right space yeah. in order to get going yeah I, I do agree with that and i think we've
1: mentioned it but landing spots i think it's going to be key for somebody like carter but again we, we mentioned the cardinals i think that'd be a great landing spot for him and, and obviously the san francisco one one that everybody talks about i think it, it worked well in a system like that um but yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna knock my uh, my, my <laughs> hopes and my, my confidence in Rich. I'm, I'm still a big fan.
0: <laughs> I, have, I have to say, I love that we started the podcast by saying, yeah, we neither of us take into account landing spot we try, <laughs> yeah. we try not to consider it at all <laughs> in our and we've literally every running back was have
1: so so landing spot dependent yeah I think it is just because like we've mentioned though because of the class and, and what it is I, I do think it is going to play a, a bigger part than obviously we've mentioned the 2020 class w- with those kind of running backs I think they were a lot less dependent on landing spot whereas when we're talking about these these slightly smaller more more twitchy running backs that that uh, have got that elusiveness and that burst I think then it does become a, a little bit more um, important on, on where they land.
0: Yeah, absolutely. A, a stud is a stud wherever he plays. Whereas I think yeah. a lot of these guys are, you know, in the right situation. They could mm-hmm. be good fantasy performers, but I think it, you know, they're, they're not going to be a stud in 32 teams, basically. Yeah. Um, now, coming on to the last guy. So we've, he's both of our RB7. Now, I think yeah. if, if we'd have wound back the clock <laughs> 12 months, we'd have been talking about this guy as a what probably top top five back last year yeah, um definitely. had quite honestly one of the most ridiculous sophomore seasons I've, i think i've ever seen mm-hmm. um and then yeah may, maybe the most horrific junior season <laughs> to to compare so if you haven't guessed it's it's tuba hubbard so um so yeah what do you think
1: yeah is it is in that tier three with, with jefferson for me um as you mentioned that, that sophomore season it's it's hard to we, we we talk about the struggles he had in, in uh, last season, but it's hard to forget a season like that with with over two thousand rushing yards. And it's just it's a, a freak athlete. He's got that electric speed, and for a guy that's six foot and two hundred eight pounds, it's it is incredible. And uh, and he is just a constant. He's a home run threat constantly, and and with that that vision that he's got, he's got pretty good vision, I think, from from what I've looked at. And, and the best if a hole does appear. Again, like we spoke about with ETN, he is gone and, and there's no catching somebody like Hubbard. Um, but as you say, he's, he's got a few knocks against him. Obviously, that, that 2020 season was a, a real disappointment. Um, I think he, he struggled with injuries, I think, uh, towards the back end of it. But yeah, um, his pass blocking as well is absolutely abysmal. Um, that's something that, that's going to be a problem when it comes to him being an, uh, on the field for third downs. But as we said, if if he's on a system where he can, it can be allowed to get in space. He's not really going to be asked to, to block. But yeah, as, as far as his pass blocking, it is literally non-existent.
0: Yeah, I think I, I just honestly, I I can't decide what to do with Chuba Hubbard because you watch that, you know, that sophomore yeah. tape and it's incredible. As you said, he is, you know, a former track star. He is a, a you know decent size, and the the size-adjusted speed must be through the through the roof. <laughs> Absolutely, but. I just can't can't work out what's happened in the last year. I know he had some issues with the head coach, and mm-hmm. you know it wasn't perhaps the most stable of um, kind of teams last year. But to just go from, as we said, over two thousand rushing yards to, to only putting up six hundred this year, it's just yeah. mind blowing. And I I yeah. really I worry that that the NFL are going to hold that against him. You know, you mm-hmm. look at someone like I appreciate the the kind of the situation was slightly different with injuries and things. But you look at Arian Foster, who had that incredible, I can't remember if it was sophomore or junior year, the year before he came out and then was being talked about as being an early round draft pick. And then he had a horrific final year, ended up going undrafted, got to the NFL, landed in a a dream, you know, one cut system in in Houston, obviously was a stud for sort of five or six years. I just don't know if I see that with Jupe but I think that that, that one incredible season for me is almost, more of the outlier than than the rest, and I think that I wouldn't be shocked if he falls into a you know a day three later yeah. draft pick, which to me says everything around how the NFL is viewing him. Despite that ridiculous sophomore season, and I just worry that you mentioned about his you know his his essentially his um, his non-existent pass pro. I also worry about his receiving game usage. Yes, you know he had twenty odd. Receptions in his freshman and sophomore year, but I don't think he's a great receiving back. I don't think he's great in in space before the ball is there. As such, I think he's mm-hmm. great, great with the ball in his hands, but I don't think he's a great route runner. I don't think he's great at setting up defenders to create separation. Um, so yes, yeah, so I, I just I just don't really know what to do with him. As I said, it's yeah. some incredible. Incredible highlights, showing some great flashes, but I just don't believe that he's going to be able to transition that to the next level.
1: Yeah, I think yeah, you hit the nail on the head with that one. I, I agree. I don't think he's, he's up there in, in his pass catching, but as a back that, that he really needs to be in that space for him to to really show what it can be. Is is going to be relying on, on creating that own space when he's got the ball in his hands, and he's, he's one of those guys that I think is going to have splash plays again, but on the whole, is going to be a disappointment. I, I think he'll be a, a day three pick as well, myself. And but he could be one of those guys where we look back and we think, how's how's it how, how's he fell this far down? And if he if he lands in that right situation and he gets that chance and he makes those big plays, we're all going to look daft. But yeah, just just looking at him from now, I think I think NFL teams are going to think the same. I think he is going to going to fall in the draft, and yeah, it's going to be interesting. But as I say, he's, he's definitely got potential to be one of
0: those guys that. That shocks us all and it
1: makes us all look silly.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So moving on to the the quick fire round, or I guess with I don't know if you listen to the quarterbacks, but it was slightly less than uh, than quick fire, shall we say? <laughs> but um, so the first the first question is running back with the highest fantasy ceiling. So where are you going here?
1: Shall, shall I do like your brother and just just name one player for, for all the,
0: all these guys? Yeah, you can't have you can't have Michael Carter for every option. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I'll, I'll just cancel him out of this. Uh, I've got Travis Etienne for for the guy that I think has the the highest ceiling. Obviously, we, we keep going on about these landing spots after just saying it wasn't important. But <laughs> if he does land somewhere as you say with that that Shanahan style um, offense, then somebody like Etienne he can is is going to be unreal. I think. Um, yeah, San Francisco, Cardinals, maybe even your, your Jets as well. I think it'd be a great fit in there, obviously, with, with Robert Sala coming in uh, with that Shanahan-style uh, offence. Yeah, I think it is his ceiling's
0: through the roof if, if he lands somewhere like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, not to harp on again, but I also think draft capital is key with that as well. I think yeah. if the if team is willing to, you know, hopefully early day two draft capital and, and really spend a premium pick on him, I think it says that they're going to hand in the keys and, and really yeah. build an offense around him. Whereas, you know, if, if we're talking sort of back end of day two, maybe even into day three, I think that sort of potential ceiling certainly reduces quite significantly. Yeah, I think it's
1: between him and Harris, I think, for, for being the, the first running back drafted personally. So so I, I'm a big believer that he is going to get that draft capital, but obviously we can't predict the future, so, so we don't know. But it's going to be interesting to see um, how it plays out when, when draft comes around.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And what about the running back with the highest floor?
1: Yeah, this one it has to be RJ Harris for me. This one, um, I fully expect he's going to get that that strong draft capital. So then you, you think he's going to get that 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 solid workload and and become a um, a workhorse running back right out of the gate. Um, he, as we mentioned earlier, he's got that, that rushing ability, but then also his receiving's is perfectly fine. And somewhere like the the Steelers is somewhere that I'd really love to see him see him land. Um, the Falcons as well I think both of those backfields is somewhere where he's just going to dominate touches and yeah he's just going to have a really solid floor I think in fantasy yeah
0: absolutely um, and what about the running back you bet your life on then
1: yeah so this one I did have to go with Harris again obviously for, for all the things i just mentioned he's, he's just got so many strong traits that I just think he's it's hard to say that he's, he's bulletproof but I just think he's is a bulletproof prospect for me and I, and I think he's going to be perfectly fine. And we mentioned it earlier with the 2020 class, I think he'd probably be right there as my RB3 behind Taylor and, and De'Andre Swift. So that's how confident I am in, in his ability. And yeah, I'll, I'll be willing to bet my life on him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fantastic. I'll, uh, I'll remind you of that when I'm trying to trade into you later in the afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> what about, so in terms of value, so, so where do you yeah. think the best player at, at the current cost?
1: Yeah, so I was going to say Michael Carter because he is the, the RB7 in ADP and obviously he's my RB4, so that feels like great value, but I thought I'd mention a player that we've not spoke about, it's, it's Jarrett Patterson, he's, he's out of buffer though, he's, he's a smaller running back, he's 5 pounds and obviously it's a small school, but he had a super high um, productive college career. Uh, Three thousand eight hundred eighty-four rushing yards and fifty-two touchdowns in thirty-two games. So unbelievable production. And his ADP is the RB twelve. Ivan's my RB eight. So if, if we just want to mention somebody a little different, I think Patterson is going to be a, a great value. I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Anyone that can score was well, it eight eight touchdowns in a game? Um, yeah, yeah. Yep. Hard, hard, not, hard not to love that sort of stats. Absolutely. Are you are you concerned about his, I guess, receiving usage at all? Yeah, I mean,
1: he didn't have any. I don't believe he didn't <laughs> it in 2020. But yeah. I think that was down to the system, if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, I just don't think he, he was really used. It. I think he's, he's definitely a capable pass catcher. So I do think he's not going to be somebody like, I know Kevin Lehmann for this, but like Ronald Jones, where... He, he, you just think uh, it's never going to really work out for him when it comes to, to catching the ball. But yeah, it's, it's not a major worry, but when you're just looking at the, at the stat line, it, it does stand out. And yeah, I can see why people would be concerned. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And what about your favourite sleeper then, Matt? Yeah, so for this one, I've
1: gone for Dimitri Felton, who, who played for UCLA. It, again, he's a, another smallish back. He's, he's 5'10", but he's, he's only 200 pounds. But he's super explosive and he's got... Unbelievable agility for a running back. He actually plays slot wide receiver as well. So he's super versatile. Talking about versatile players, he's extremely versatile. He's got great hands. He's, he's likely to be a, a late pick. I think he's he's probably going to go day three. But I just think the upside there is it's unbelievable. And with an ADP of RB thirteen, again, he could be another another great stealer in in fantasy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I was intrigued to see you include him as a running back. I've actually got him ranked as a wide receiver. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. But I think, you know, that that's basically down to what the NFL, you know, we had the same yeah, thing with Antonio Gibson last exactly. year, isn't it? Yeah, that's um, what I
1: was going to say. Yeah, bit Just like um Antonio Gibson, one of those players that, uh, Lynn Bowden as well, somebody that you're not really too sure. Where it, and it's going to depend how, how an NFL team views him and, and how they want to use him, I guess.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, as you said, he's completely electric with the ball in his hands. Um, He's probably going to contribute more on on special teams to begin with. But, you know, if if he can carve out any sort of role, um, yeah, I'll I'll certainly be stashing on a few rosters this year. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, so, I mean, I guess to sum up then, Matt, so we're not really feeling the depth. We're not really feeling the star power. Mm -hmm. So I guess... What what do you think about the class as a whole? Is it is it a case of one one stud and not much else? Is it a case of you know what, what do you think? I think yeah. But if we if we're talking
1: about studs, definite studs. Obviously, there's just one that stands out for me, and and that's Najee Harris. But I think it's a class that's going to have. Players that, that can flash. I think players that are probably going to be stuck in committees and they're going to be players that you're going to be annoyed that they're, they're not getting the, the chance to see the field. But I think as a whole, it, it's, it's never going to match up to that 2020 class. That was obviously one of the, the best running back classes we're probably ever going to see with the the level of talent that come out. But I definitely think there's going to be a few guys that, that surprise people <clears throat> Michael Carter. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think on the whole, it, it's not the best class we're going to see i think personally it's better than that 2019 class that that we had but um yeah it's just a lot more of like running backs you you won't want to bet your life on that that they're, they're going to contribute at the nfl level so yeah, it's gonna a lot of it's going to come down to obviously we keep mentioning the the draft capital. It's going to be interesting. Obviously, we know that NFL teams now they they don't put as much value on on the position. So if if there's going to be a few guys that can go in the first round, um, early day two, then then we, could, we I think we can change his opinion and maybe think a little bit more of them. But as a whole, yeah, it's just Najee Harris that stands out for me.
0: Yeah, and I think I think that's it. Is that if you're expect, looking at this class, expecting to get you know 2020 level production or, or multiple yeah. studs you're probably going to be disappointed but i think if you can come into it and know that of that second to third tier mm-hmm. you there's probably going to be one or two that that you know surprise us and and really become fancy relevant players and you can get them in that sort of second to third round of startups yeah. i think actually You know, you're 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 going to be pretty happy, but it's not going to be like last year where we had what was it five five running backs off the board as Mm -hmm. the the kind of outside of quarterbacks, the five highest priced assets. Yeah, I I think
1: in in just going to say from a fantasy perspective, I think if. If you if you need him running backs and obviously we're talking from dynasty those if you've got first round picks, I think I'd just be trading those away to try and maybe grab if you can get somebody out of that twenty twenty class. But then save your, your your second round picks, even your third round picks, and just take a shot at some of these later guys. I mean, players like Michael Carr, I've seen him go late second in some mock drafts I've done. Um, basically everybody outside of Harrison and ETM really are dropping outside that first round. So just use that value that people see on those draft picks and, and try and grab yourself a a stud with, with those first round picks and then take a few shots in the, in the second round.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I've talked about this before on previous pods, that that second round pick going and buying a load of running backs is, is one of my favourite things to do because I think that if, if the NFL are spending second or third round draft capital on a guy, Chances are, at some point, he's going to get a decent shot, and and when that running back does hit, you know, it, it hits big, doesn't it? Yeah. it the, the chances of a you know a, a later receiver hitting is, is not as high as mm-hmm. when that sort of running back hits. Certainly, yeah. um, I would like to just give one little plug for my guy Colin Hill. Um, I think that you know, yes, he's he's not. He's not going to be a a Najee Harris. He's not going to get into that top tier. But I do think that he's got incredible potential. And I think that he's got versatility and he's he's got some fantastic work in the receiving game. And I do think that he could surprise a few people.
1: Yeah, he's definitely somebody that I I consider having as my sleeper. I think I've got him around the RB10, I think, in my my rankings. But as you mentioned, he's definitely got that upside. So another player that I'll I'll be interested to see where where he lands come, come draft time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you ever so much for coming on, Matt. It's been lovely to uh, to get you on to chat, chat through some running backs. And no, so, I, appreciate,
1: I appreciate it, Rich.
0: So for the people that, are, that don't know where to find you, where, where can we find you? Where can we read your work and, and listen to your voice? Yeah, so
1: you can catch me on Twitter at MattFFDynasty. Um, a lot of my content comes comes through the FF Astronauts. Um, at the moment, we, we've not got too much coming out, but obviously as, we, as we're as we closing to, to, to the NFL draft, a lot more content is going to be coming out. Um, yeah, on my Twitter, obviously, you, you mentioned the threads. I've been, been doing some threads now. I've started switching more to, to dropping my rankings a little bit. So, yeah, if you, if you want to catch any of my work, just head over to Twitter, um, at Matt FD- FF Dynasty. And, yeah,
0: check me Fantastic. out. Fantastic. <laughs> and also, obviously, the, the podcast, the Fancy World Cup podcast that you do with Kev, what days are we, is that posted?
1: Yeah, that comes out every Tuesday. There's myself and Kev, who you can follow on Twitter, at Dynasty underscore Goat. Um, yeah, a weekly podcast that, that drops every Tuesday. We're we're having regular guests on every other week. I believe we've got yourself coming on quite soon, Rich.
0: I believe so. I believe so. I'm sure so, it's going to be you know the the, the record breaking pod in terms of listens. I'm <laughs> sure once you get me coming on. Oh,
1: absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. You can check us out um, at Fantasy Wildcard on
0: Twitter. Fantastic. Well, thank you ever so much, Matt. Um, so next week we have got um, so Mike or as you'll probably know him at Daddy's Home on Twitter from Fancy Intervention. Um, He's coming on to break down the rookie wide receivers. So keep listening and uh, we'll see you again next week.